Hello, Atlanteans. Welcome to the Education in Atlanta podcast, the place to discuss all things education in the metro area. We're focused on taking an in-depth look at the movers and shakers that make decisions about what happens in our schools. In this episode, our intern, Jaharius Kendrick, interviewed Sharice Davis, the post six school board member for Cobb County Schools. Davis joined the seven-member board in 2019 after unseating incumbent Scott Sweeney in 2018. Like, if I'm not mistaken, you grew up in um, New York in the Orlando area, is correct? And uh, you spent your summers in Puerto Rico with family, I'm assuming, right? Yes. But then, but then with um, in college, you chose to go to Spelman, right? Yes. So I kind of just wanted to know, like, what was the process of going through those decisions? Like, what what was that kind of process like going from those areas and going into Atlanta to Spelman? Like, how was that? So um, I didn't even know how much I needed Spelman um, before I got there. I just I have an older half sister. Um, we're actually like 17 years apart. And I just wanted to be just like her. And she went to Spelman. And she graduated um, class of 1987. She was with 86, took a little, little longer to, to leave, but, you know, all good. And um, I just, again, wanted to be just like her. And when I was about 13, um, my mom, dad, and my sisters, we came up here to visit her. And while we were here, she took me on a tour of Spelman. And we went into one of the administrative offices and the president, um, Janetta Cole, she came out and she told me when I get to Spelman, and I don't even remember what else she said, because all I heard was when I get to Spelman. And the fact that this woman, this president who was just so adored, um, came out to, to greet me as a 13-year-old and talk to me about the college, I just knew that's where I was going to go. It was just awesome. So fast forward to I'm a senior, I apply early decision to Spelman. It's literally the only school that I apply to. So there was no plan B. There was only Spelman. So So fast forward um, to graduating class of 2002. And I just, you know, that is definitely the biggest impact has been the biggest impact on my life. And I don't think that you're talking to me today as a school board member if I didn't go to Spelman. There's just this charge that you're given to go out and change the world, you know? And it sounds so hokey and all that, but um, it really is like, what is your impact, you know? Um, And so this is me and, and even my career in education. It was, you know, I... I immediately went into teaching and um, it's where I've been all of these years in education. And so this is just me um, finding a new way to to make an impact. Okay, All right. And what were some of those lessons that you um, that you received from Spelman during your time there? What what was some of the things that you still carry on with you today? Yeah. So I think one thing, you know, that this is not necessarily what's what they tell you, but, Mm -hmm. you know, most of us, many of us, and, you know, we all come to Spelman with such different experiences, but many of us are used to being 
the only, you know, you're the only um, black woman in your class. You're the only, literally it could be an entire class of, of students in some cases, but, you know, even in certain um, subjects in, you know, AP, whatever, um, you just find yourselves oftentimes being the only in a lot of different uh, places in this country, really. And we all converged at Spelman and we just were I mean, talk about a confidence booster, um, talk, talk about, you know, looking around you and even beyond, you know, your fellow classmates, but their families and, and just seeing like what all we are doing right around Atlanta, around the country, around the world, and just, you know, understanding your place in that. And that's not something that many of us received before we got to Spelman um, for many different reasons. And, and I talk about something now, I can only really say this now as a 40-year-old woman, like thinking back to my upbringing. And I think that in my generation, our parents, you know, it was put your head down and work, 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 and try to just succeed, take care of your kids. You know, we were told go to college, everything will be great. You know, like my father didn't go to college, you know, and he was born in 1939 in South Carolina. So, you know, you can imagine the stuff that he faced and even my mother, you know, whose family, they came here, they came to New York to, for more opportunities for themselves and their kids. Um, but, you know, we didn't, there wasn't this idea of like, you know, there was any kind of hardship there. Like, you know, you play the game, you do what you needed to do and it's going to be okay. Um, and those are very different conversations that I have now with my own two sons who are uh, 15 and 11 mm. and we get real about some stuff because I think, you know, we, we know obviously like what, what we're dealing with now in this country in terms of feeling like we've almost taken you know so many steps back. Um, but yeah, I, I needed that confidence boost. I needed to see what we were doing. We, you know, coming from Orlando, you know, Orlando's a very service industry place, right? I mean, you ask, you know, a hundred people about Orlando, <laughs> they think of, and they're going to tell you Disney World, you know, and that's actually when we moved there, my mother um, got a, a job with Disney World and that's where she ended up retiring from. And um, it was amazing, you know, to be a kid and then to be there. But, um, you know, you're, you're talking about a service industry jobs, um, you know, it, not a lot of like, people are just, they're, they're making it right. Like just, just trying to feed their families, um, and so there's just this sense of like, you know, you don't see a lot of, um, I, I didn't at the time. And obviously, you know, people are, this is different now. It's been years, right? But, um, you know, you didn't see a lot of people that looked like me um, just, you know, succeeding at, at the level that, you know, as you're a 17 year old, 18 year old, you think success looks like. I obviously, being double that age now, feel like success is a lot of different things and not necessarily how much money you make. So that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. Especially that last point, because the way that you've grown so far, you like, Hey, look, like success can come in a variety of different ways. Right. And I'm fairly young myself, just had my 21st birthday. Oh so my goodness. I, I know. I know. I, <laughs> I am very young, but <laughs> and doing this, this is amazing. I, yeah, this, you're, you're great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, hey, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying my best. But then, as you kept going, right, I kept, you know, as I keep looking at the LinkedIn pages, right, I see your education. I'm spying you. I'm spying you. I see 
or if I'm not mistaken, right, an early education certificate from Georgia State, right? Yeah. Now, I believe that you graduated with the BA in sociology, correct? I did. Yes. So what did the early childhood like education part of that, like what did that come in at? Right. So, you know, like like everyone, you know, I came in bright eyed, you know, to college like, oh, I'm I want to be a doctor. That is really good. Um, but you need to be able to be a doctor. You need to be very strong. <laughs> and I can't say that was me. So I um, get a little bit of echo. Jerry, so I don't know. If, um, is it uh, is it still there? Or? That's better. There we go. OK. Yeah. So I. Um, you know, I, I pushed forward with that pre-freshman summer science program, all the things, and then um, realized, you know, not too, not too far into it that, you know, maybe I needed to look at something. And it was okay. Like, look at something that I was going to be strong at and that I was really interested in rather than just saying, you know, something that I thought sounded good, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, once I did that, it was amazing because that's where I needed to be. And I, I think I did very well. Um, in that major, and I really did enjoy it, which I think counts for a lot of it. Um, so I thought maybe, you know, I'll get into um, health administration, you know, and just trying to mirror that I was very much interested in, in health sciences, um, but also finding another way to to be in that. But my junior year, one of my professors had a Teach for America um, Spelman alumna, but also a Teach for America um, core member come and speak to us about teaching. And oh my goodness, the, the stuff she was saying to us, I just felt like she sounded like a superhero, you know? And I don't mean that in in like a, you know, silly way of, of like, oh, that's, you know, this, that's what teaching is. It's just, she just, she just really imparted to me um, and I'm sure others that were in the class and that hurt her just how important it was that we were there in front of kids in classrooms around our nation. And, um, and it was funny is that if you go back to me in middle school, like I was a part of future educators of America. I would, we we had a teacher who would take us to the conferences. We would travel to go to conferences and things like that. So it, you know, this was something that as a kid, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And then, you know, you kind of um, start looking at other things and, and kind of get away from it. But once I heard her, I, I immediately like pivoted to like, OK, how um, can I also become a teacher? So I obviously wasn't majoring in that. And so Teach for America was a way for me to do that. Now, Teach for America, I think at this point, you know, about half of the people, from my understanding, half stay in education, half go on to do any number of things. But I stayed at my host school for five years and then um, moved on to another school. But it is it has been just an amazing career um, in education. And I, I really I don't want to do anything else, you know, um, and just the more I have learned now about education, um, things that I didn't know at the time, you know, it just it, it's very important that, you know, we we are here and that we are here for our kids. Um, so the the Georgia State program was just an awesome program. I really do. I do credit Georgia State with really um, just just preparing me. And this was at a time when, you know, we were showing up to downtown classrooms and, you know, finding parking and walking to class. And, you know, we would we would get all that done while also teaching. Um, But I really do, you know, 
think about that program with a lot of fondness because I think it just it does a really good job. Um, and we talked about things like cultural relevancy and and things like that. And I realize now that a lot of teachers don't get that. Um, they just don't, and that's a shame, you know. And of course, now with where we are in our country, um, the anti CRT backlash, whatever people think that means. Um, even talking about stuff like that is is considered controversial, and that's that's beyond a shame. So, I was gonna ask you, like, when you when you're an early education teacher, right? I can only I'm trying to wrap my head around. Like, I have family that primarily teach pre K, right? Okay. So I kind of I've heard the stories, right, of like how you're trying to like connect with these kids and how you're trying to teach them, do all those things. Yeah. Even in my own experience at the college I'm at, I've been like a teacher assistant and things like that. And so what are some of the lessons that you've learned from your own students that you've had? And like those some of the things that you've like had them like bestow upon you in some way that you kind of like, OK, I'm going to take that and cherish that. I'm always remember these experiences. Yeah. I love that question. I, so what I have a funny story about even how I got, um, my first classroom. So I was supposed <laughs> to team teach with a second grade teacher. She was a veteran teacher. I remember when the principal brought me over and it's like, you know, this is, uh, Miss Tumor, she's going to be in your class. And mm-hmm. I mean, she was just looking like what, you know, and she thought I was a student teacher and literally, uh, school started on a Monday. Let's say this was Wednesday, Thursday, the principal comes to me and says, we have a teacher not coming back. I need you to be in this kindergarten classroom. And as part of Teach for America, you had, you know, kind of listed out like, okay, these are grades. Like, I just don't want to teach. I don't feel equipped. I don't want to, whatever it is. And kindergarten, I think was the one grade I said, I, you know, I can't. <laughs> and I thought, you know, because in my mind, I'm thinking of them, you know, it's like, oh, the babies. And it was almost kind of like scary to me. It's like kindergarten is like the one grade, like, nah, like, and then of course, you know, as it would turn out, it just as the universe, you know, um, orchestrates it, you know, the principal's coming to me just days before school starts saying, uh, yeah, you're going to be in this class because I need a teacher stat, right? And I actually, I ended up being a kindergarten teacher for eight years. And so I obviously um, loved it. And, you know, with that age group, um, I think that I, you know, I think back to even when I was a kid, I was always 13 going on 30, you know, five going on whatever, right? (laughs) I just thought I was so grown all the time. Um, My mom and dad would tell you that I would, you know, as an elementary middle school kid, I'm looking at my the bookshelf we have at home and getting my dad's like Stephen King books. And, you know, I just <laughs> thought I was like, so, you know, I, you know, it could be kind of funny and also kind of bad sometimes, but I just, when I was teaching those young kids, you know, I really did feel that my charge was to make sure that they loved learning because it is, it is the literal foundation. Right. And so if I can just get that in them, then they're going to be just fine in first, second, third grade. Um, and I would also talk to them in a way where I didn't like baby them, you know, and I, I feel like, especially as I got, you know, more experience in teaching, um, using books to really, um, you know, in part, like maybe some difficult conversations and things like that. And I've had some of the best conversations around, um, 
like really like social justice issues and things like that with that age group, because there's no one that understands fairness more than a five-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they get it. Um, and a lot of kids, they, they, they can handle that and they want to talk about things and books are just such a great way of, um, introducing all kinds of things, you know, to kids. And, um, I also ended up becoming a, a librarian and a media specialist, um, thinking about my own memories of books and the library. Um, but that actually came from Georgia state. So it's all, it's all so connected, um, which is kind of funny, but, um, yeah, we had a, we had a reading teacher who asked us to think back to our like fondest memories of being children. And my dad had a more flexible job. And so oftentimes he was the one that was, you know, had to pick us up from school. And a lot of times we would go to the library and he would just let us like, go there. And that's the first time I, you know, used computers and, uh, I'd read magazines and, you know, get books. And that just really was like thinking back, just one of the best memories I have of being a kid. Um, and so, yeah, that really had a huge impact on what I ended up getting my, my master's in. See, I I was going to ask you about the media specialist part. I was like, okay, how did you, how did you spend that transition? But you've already, That, that's actually pretty interesting how that's like yeah. how those two things are all tied together, you know? Yeah, that's fair to say. That's, yeah, I don't know if that would have happened, you know? Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's funny just how, yeah, when you think back, like, you know, talk about connecting the dots, like mm-hmm. one experience can lead to, you know, a host of other experiences and, and that's exactly what happened. And I, I, I think for me, um, you know, I definitely, I still consider myself even in a media role. I'm an, of course, an educator still, you know, um, and it is very different than of course being a classroom teacher, but you know, my role is also to support teachers and having been a teacher, um, I think I'm able to do that, um, you know, in a, in a certain way, because I, I know what it's like and, you know, but you're supporting teachers, you're supporting students, you're supporting administration sometimes, you know? Um, so I just, you know, it's a, it's a great role, great role to have and very much needed in schools. I feel like media specialists are oftentimes having to defend their position and their role in schools. Um, which is unfortunate because, you know, I mean, Come on, you know, literacy is, you know, so important. And, you know, we we understand that there are connections there between the availability of uh, school libraries and school librarians slash media specialists slash whatever else they're called um, in any district um, with how students do, you know, and their academic achievements. So, um, yeah, it's a very, very important position. Now, through all of this process, right, when you're in the moment and you're doing all these different things, did it ever, like, at one point where you're like, you know, I'm going to try to be a board member. Like, I think I'm going to run. Like, was there, is, at, at what point did it just go to that? Because that seems like such a big, like, task to do, right. first of all. Okay, so never. That never. So <laughs> what happened was, um, because I, and I do think, you know, teachers, we're probably the last ones to, to think, I need to, I need to run for office. Mm. And that's a shame. And it's not, it's not on the teachers. It's just that the society we've created, where like 
the people who are more than likely making decisions that affect you and your students all the time are probably not educators. And I, I think as teachers, we do understand that because it's something that we lament all the time, right? Like, you know, oh, all these people, like they think they know what's best and they've never been educators. And that's very true. But we never think of ourselves as people who can fulfill those roles because we, in this country, especially, you know, it's like, oh, those are politicians. Like that's what they, that's their career. That's what they were, you know, born and bred to do. And that's just not the case. Um, and the thing is it, it is service, you know, even if you, if you get paid a salary, it really is supposed to be service. And so the idea of like this being a career can get very problematic because, we also consider that to be the default, the people who this is, they made a career out of this, when that doesn't need to be the case. It needs to be people who've taught saying, you know what, I'm going to run for office and not just for school board, <laughs> like, you know, mm -hmm. run for governor, you know, it's just kind of like we, I hope people are paying more attention and realizing like politics is for everyone. And people will say, I don't do politics. Well, you may not do politics, but politics does you. And so, you know, kind of, kind of rethink that a little bit, right? But I, in a million years, like I just told you, most teachers probably are, never would have thought about running for office. It was um, someone in a group that's actually affiliated with Teach for America. It's an offshoot that um, helps support, coach, um, connects them with donors, which is important. Um, you know, Teach for America alumni um, and helping them, you know, run for office and offering that support. And so... I got an email um, that said, hey, your your local, I mean, your school board uh, representative is coming up for re-election. Have you thought about running? <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, no, but then, you know, they're, they're persistent. So that email turned into a phone call. And actually one night I had someone come, they were in the, in the area from Texas and they were like, hey, any chance we can we can connect? And I was at one of my son's basketball games, but I was going to be home later that night. And I said, look, we'll be home at like nine o'clock. You know, if you want to come by, sure, or whatever. And they did. And so it was <laughs> me and um, this person who who had ran for school board in their community in Texas and my husband. And you have to think, too, this was right after. Um, well, this is two years. in. So this was 2017. So obviously we just had um, Trump was elected um, and, you know, it just kind of felt like if not now, when? And, and I remember feeling like after that, oh, my goodness, like I, I'm a diligent voter. Like I would show up to vote sometimes and they're like, you can't vote for this because it was a runoff for like a Republican. It was a Republican runoff. And if you don't vote Republican the first time, then you can't vote in the runoff. But I'm like, OK, whatever. I didn't know. You know, <laughs> so that was that kind of voter. Just like to show up, um, not necessarily the most informed, but um, I voted. And then but after that presidential election, I felt like I've got to do something. And it wasn't even, you know. Obviously, we, you know, I felt how I felt about Trump. I'm saying obviously, but, you know, <laughs> I'm telling you, I felt how I felt about Trump. But mm -hmm. what was even more concerning to me was the person he put in charge of the Department of Education. And I remember watching her interview and thinking, like, I could give better answers in this interview to what she's being asked. She's about to be the head of education for our, for our nation. And she's struggling through the most basic of things. And um, I just felt like I had, 
I had to do something, do my part. And I didn't, that didn't necessarily mean run for office, but at the point where someone was saying, Hey, why don't you run? It was kind of like, oh, okay. So I need to, you know, kind of put my money where my mouth is kind of thing. And like, you know, or, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, go ahead and, and put my name out there. And yeah, it wasn't, cause the thing is it's not, there was no guarantee of winning. It was actually really, I thought it was a long shot and you think these people are in these positions because they're just so amazing and like everybody knows it, but that's not the case. You know, it's, a lot of times, especially in our county, like no one even ran against the people that were in these seats. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there was there was no no challenge. You know, people didn't necessarily even have a choice when they went to the ballot box. And at the very least, I was going to provide a choice uh, for voters and, and get this, uh, topics discussed that maybe never would. Because why would they if you didn't have certain people there to bring up those things? So. I said yes, but that's also a mom thing. You know, I don't, there's a lot of times if you ask me to do something, probably not going to say no, even though sometimes I should. <laughs> but uh, I was like, okay, why not? It was, like, it was like the nurturer <laughs> instinct. It's like, I have to take it. Like, first you take care of the kids, now you take right. care of the community, now you take exactly. care of the district. <laughs> that's, that's what we do, you know, and that's what a lot of black women do. And, um, yeah. And, you know, that's why I hope just I know we're, we're in a certain place now where I think a lot of people are paying attention and people are running for office um, more than ever. But we, we cannot let go of that because, you know, we we are needed. We are needed. We think about everyone. And I think that's a that's a big difference from what we see um, and who is leading up, not just our local races, which I, I want to make the point to anyone listening, you know, we, we have to understand just how important these local races are. People get very excited and they come out in droves. Um, I'm saying in droves, we still, you know, our voting numbers are not you know, what we all wish they were, but, you know, we come out to vote for the presidency. Um, and even, you know, when there's a governor's race, you know, the idea is that you're going to see that governor's race at the top of your ballot, but you have to keep going. You know, keep going and voting down the ballot because those commissioners, those city council members, those school board members, um, and whether you have kids or not, really, right, are going to have more of an impact on your day to day than than anything. And so just making sure that we when we vote, we're voting for all of the things um, and taking the time to educate ourselves. Now. Now that you are a board member, right? And for those that, you know, will be listening to this podcast, spoiler alert. (laughs) She did succeed. Um, (laughs) What have been some of the biggest challenges, right? And just not to harp on just that, but what have been some of the things that you would say that have been also some of the biggest breakthroughs, you know, during your time, you know, in this seat? So I think I was, you know, a little naive about just what my, a win in my uh, race, what what that would mean for the people at large, right? Um, I think I just thought, okay, so first of all, I would have been the only woman on the board. If I had not won, we would have a seven member board of all men. And, you know, I don't, I don't think a school board in particular should be all anything, right? So, you know, I don't, 
I don't ever say like, oh, it should be all women. I don't say it should be all anything, but it's like, come on. You know, we have the education workforce is 80% women. Uh, if you sit around any PTA meeting anywhere, uh, I bet you it's going to be a majority of moms. Um, and to just think about like that voice not being there just seemed like, really, that's what we're doing, you know? Um, and so I thought, okay, so, you know, open arms, like, Hey, I won the seat just like the guy before me did. And, and, you know, nothing different, you know? And so it's like, here I am, you know, like, let's get to the work. And that's not exactly how it was or how it's been, you know? And, um, so I think, you know, I feel like it's, everything's kind of been a battle, which is unfortunate because I'm not here for, because I have some you know, political aspirations. And I thought this was a stepping stone. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, right. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, like I'm, I represent a group of people in women and educators um, who don't do this, you know? And, but I also, I have, I have years of experience in this field. I have years of experience of, you know, being a mother in this district Um and, and, and being a student of education, I think that's really important too. I mean, far after I got, I also have my specialist degree now. Like I've, you know, I have, I've been a formal student of education, but, you know, I, I read books on, you know, teaching reading just because I want to be more informed. You know, it's not anything I had to do, but I'm always trying to, you know, hone in on my craft really. Right. And so I, I thought, I mean, this is, you know, this is great for the district, you know, if I may say so myself, but that's not how it's been received. Right. So like, I think I'm considered, you know, an agitator, you know, and um, so that's, that's been, been hard, but you know, something that happened two years ago when we had uh, a few more of our seats up for reelection was that we had three women run against the Republican incumbent. So we are a partisan um, we, we run as a party in, in, on our school board, um, in this County, some counties do, some counties don't, um, Gwinnett and Cobb are, are partisan boards. And so we had three democratic women run and that was huge, you know? And I think that people just really started to, to pay attention to a lot of things. Now that's just not my presence on the board. Um, but also the fact that you, you know, we are in this pandemic and people would turn on our board meetings just to figure out, okay, what's school going to look like at the beginning of the year? And they would be there to try to get that information, but then they would see the dynamics of our board and, and just have a lot of questions. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and of course, even like from last summer with the racial justice movement, um, that seems like it was years ago at this point, but you know, it was just last summer. And so, um, People were really paying attention. And I think that one win that I can say that my presence on the board has had is that people are a lot more engaged um, and they're paying attention in a way that they just never have before. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of work to be done um, in our county. And, you know, it's sometimes it's just, you know, it's a shame that we're not we're not able to do that work to talk about the hard things. Um, yeah. And that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what you like. Hey, look, 
Yeah. You're like, that's what he, that's what y'all elected me for. Like, let's get to work. Right. And I don't, it doesn't, to me, I don't, it doesn't make me like, I, I don't think, oh, I'm, I failed somehow or something. I don't take it personally. I don't think, oh, you know, my, my own children, like I'm not here for my kids. Like there are easier ways to, you know, help your own children, you know, like the things I was doing, PTA, parent foundations, all these things, um, school councils, like all the things I was doing, like, this isn't about, um, my own children who are going to be okay. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, and the thing is too, it's like these, these kind of topics that we're trying to talk about, this is not just our County. It is literally every single school district all around the nation is having, is supposed to be having the same conversations around equity, um, around safely going back to school in a pandemic. Like, that should make it even easier to digest, right? That, you know, this is not something we're having to figure out on our own. And so how are we any different that we're not talking about these things? Okay. Now, I always do this in all of my interviews. So I, I have a habit of like, we start engaging and talking. I start looking at the time like, oh man, I said 30 to 45, <laughs> yeah, the hour. So I always try to get this warning. So we're, we're hitting the home stretch okay. of like the pod. But I always leave this option out there. If you would like to continue a little bit past the margin of what we said before, yeah. if that's okay with you, we can also do that as well. Oh, that's definitely okay with me. Okay, okay. I always, I always do that. <laughs> I, I learned from a couple of times. People was like, "Yeah, I gotta go." I was like, "Oh, yeah, you're right. You do. <laughs> I gotta keep my heart." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Always tell people longer, right? No, so I'm good. I've got, I've got time. Okay, okay. But I did want to also see, you know, we've seen the challenges, right? We see the challenges all over the country of what's going on in these school dishes, the board members. And it's even more interesting now because before, right, board meetings are around six in the evening, in the afternoon or whatever. And some people are just like, yeah, I'm just not going to make it to that. But now that everything is being live streamed, right? You can just sit in the comfort of your own home, click a button, and you're right there in the meeting, you know? Yeah. Or if you can look at the Facebook Live group chat and just type in something. Mm -hmm. So what has been some of the, like, the community, what have they been saying about a lot of the things that have been going on? Because you've had to be hearing a lot more of their voices recently Definitely. in the years past. Yeah, so, you know, again, the, the pandemic, you know, um, as awful as this has been, um, for our, our country, our planet, really like, I mean, it is, I mean, wow. You know, we, we hope this is a once in a hundred year event. Um, but people, they needed to know some concrete information. And so they would tune in to our meetings and people started learning like how to do that. Um, so our, our meetings are actually, we only meet once a month. And so they start in the afternoon, sometimes even in the morning, 11 o'clock or so. And they just go until about eight o'clock at night. Um, so we do our work session, our voting session all in one, but there are opportunities for public comment. Um, and people can always watch even after the meeting has ended, the, the videos are there, um, to watch. And so even finding out how to access that information is very, very empowering. Now from there, you know, people have gotten organized because they realize like, wow, this is how we do things? Like what? You know? And so we've had some groups um, come out of just what they've seen as of late, like in the last year, really, um, year to 18 months. So we have a group now called Watching the Funds Cobb. Um, 
that is really um, it's, it's nonpartisan. So, you know, the, and which look, money is a conversation um, that we should all be able to have. And I know that oftentimes it's considered that Republicans are like, you know, fiscal conservatives. But what's funny is that on our board, like we're the ones always asking the, the Democrats are the ones asking the questions and voting against things that seemed, uh, seem extra. And so, uh, it, you know, look, we can all have this conversation around being good stewards of taxpayer money. And so, uh, but they are a group, um, mostly moms, but they, they are coming to public comment and they're organizing around this one subject of how we are spending again, taxpayer money. And so, you know, that's one group. You have some other groups that are stronger together. That's, um, working on uh, highlighting the experiences of black and brown students in our schools um, and, and giving students an outlet to share those experiences, but also pressing the board um, and the school district to do better. Um, so those are just a couple of the groups, but I think, you know, people getting organized, that's a, that's a tale as old as time. And people are seeing how that needs to be done, even at the level of school board, you know, um, so that, that is happening. But I encourage people to to plug in with what, you know, what their thing is. You know, if it's if it's money, if it's the experience of black and brown kids, like there is probably a group doing that work already. And so, you know, you don't. And if there's not, yeah, create it. But, you know, sometimes you're not you don't even have to reinvent the wheel. Right. Like join up with others. Um and, and again, as a board member, I'm in it now, right? I am on the board. I don't take that personally when those groups come and say things. To me, it's like, these are our, these are the people. This, this is the team that we talk about all the time. So, you know, our, our motto is one team, one goal, student success. If we have one student, one teacher, one staff member, any of our departments who do not feel like they are a part of the team, then that's a problem. That's a problem. That model is a goal, you know, and it at the point where you do have the one person or however many that don't feel that way, then it's like, okay, but we're so great. We're going to be able to address these concerns and let people know that we are working on making sure that all of our people feel like they're a part of the team. Okay. Now, I think everything that you said with like the citizen engagement now, like that's kind of been a breakthrough since the part that you've like been on the board and things that you've seen. Have there been any other breakthroughs that you've also witnessed in your time at the board and just things that you're like, okay, so we've we've had challenges, but these are some of the things that we have gotten done that like I'm like, hey, we are proud of that at least. So I want to say a couple of things. Um, one is just, you know, we talk about representation mm -hmm. and I have to say, oh my gosh, I have this story. I have to tell it to you because I love telling this story. So I was at my child's school, but in, in the capacity of parent, I was there to volunteer like the holiday shop or whatever. And this little girl comes up, she's fourth grade. And she asks me if I'm Sharice Davis. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she turns around and she goes to her friends and she's like, guys, guys, and Sharice Davis is here. <laughs> and I'm like, am I, being, am I being punked right now? And I'm like, I'm like, how do you, what, why are you getting so excited? And she's like, we learned about you in our classroom. And so in fourth grade, they have this whole unit on government. And, you know, there wasn't a, at the time there was a selection cycle going on. And so they were learning about races, you know, different um, elections that were going on and, and who was in it and all that. And, um, 
the, she just, she, she just, she learned about me. And so her friends come over and they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And you know, the one girl, um, is telling me, she's like, your hair looks like my hair. And they have these, uh, these watches, right? Like, uh, you know, the kitty version of, I guess, Apple watch and they can take pictures with their watches, which is, you know, super high tech to me. (laughs) And they wanted to take a picture. I mean, it was just, you know, I just remember thinking like, okay, I'm having my school board Beyonce moment, you know, with these fourth grade (laughs) girls who are just so excited to meet me and see me because they learned about me and my hair looks like their hair. And I just thought, you know, we talk about representations, but this is what that looks like, you know, and to be a little kid and not even just a little kid, the parents feel the same way, you know, people that work in our schools, because the thing is, if you look at the history of our County, um, for years now, it had been that there was one black man on the board, just one. So out of seven board members and, here we are. So at this point, and I, it was so bad. I thought I, for some time I thought, okay, I'm the first black woman, you know, and I, you know, a black Latino woman, like I'm the first, well, actually I'm not, but you will never hear about the first who was Peggy Johnson back in, um, 1992. She was a Republican. Um, and she had a heck of a time on our board and, um, you know, there's, I went back to the AJC archives to, to learn more about her and mm-hmm. she had some crazy, crazy experiences. But what, what stuck with me was how some of the things that she was saying are some of the things I could say now, fast forward mm-hmm. all of these years later, almost 30 years later. Right. Um, and that's kind of, that's a problem. Um, so that to me, the, you know, the representation factor is, is always going to be a win because as a whole, like our leadership does not represent the population of the people we serve. And even when you look at our student body, our student body is 62, 63% um, non-white students. So students of color with, I think maybe 30% at least being just black students. Um, And, you know, it's, you know, it's something that I wish we were all striving towards, right? I almost, I have this high bar for anyone sitting on a board. And if you're, someone who's serving a student population that is, and, and even if it, it's not, it doesn't even, it's not an equal thing, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you see that on the board, it's all men that look like you. Like really my bar is that you would have been out there trying to find women to run. You would have been out there finding more people of color to run. Like that's the bar because you understand the importance of that as a professional in education um, for our, our staff, our you know, school board to look more like the people that we serve. Um, so that just my, just being there and showing people what's possible. And then, like I told you, you know, we had three women run for these seats and I think it just kind of shed light my presence on the board that, cause I would, I would knock on doors when I was a candidate and I, you know, an older man would come out and I'd say, I'm running to be the only woman on the school board. And they're like, what? Like, what do you mean? Because in people's minds, that's who the board is. It's all the PTA moms who just decided, like, let me go knock on some doors and get elected. And nothing could be farther from the truth. And so it always kind of surprised me how surprised people were um, that the board was all almost all men. Um, I'll say a, a, 
a more recent win. So I've, I've made several motions uh, over the last two, going on two and a half years that I've been on the board. And I had my first motion that I've created um, actually be supported and, and get approved um, at a, with a six to one vote. And it was recently, it was a SPLOS vote we took. So we create this notebook, this list of projects that are going to be um, in the next BLOS. And we're asking voters to, to come out and vote for this BLOS um, in November. And, you know, there was this event center added to the list. And, you know, I didn't put out my own opinions first. I asked people that, you know, follow me on social media, ask people to email me also and share what they thought about that. And I'm telling you, I, there was one guy who would go in and say, oh, all these other projects are going to be taken care of, of here, here, and here. We can do an event center. But literally everyone else was like, what on earth? Because we have old school buildings. Um, we do not have one-to-one technology, uh, which of course really showed itself during this pandemic. Um, and we have a lot of needs in our county for capital projects. We always say we have $2 billion worth of needs and we take in less than half of that in SPLOS revenue. And so to have this, what I consider, and I'll say it now, and I said it when we had our meeting, you know, basically a frivolous project on there that helped who, you know, we were talking about it being a graduation in play. I mean, we've done graduation for years now (laughs) without our own event center. And, um, so my, my motion was to approve SPLOS because I know how vital it is for us to do even just the basic upkeep we have to do on schools, let alone build for new growth and all that, um, but without the event center. And I think in that moment, if it had just been me and it was just a matter of the seven of us voting, I don't know that that would have passed. But the reality is that people are listening to us. People are paying attention to us. We have people who follow us and support us. And, you know, they were, they were probably worried, you know, if voters see this on this list and they're saying, this is a waste of money. Mm-hmm. This is so extra. It's not even funny. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. are they going to support Splost? Mm-hmm. We need them to. So, you know, so it was, again, it was the first thing that I've ever proposed that actually passed. Usually it's dead, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, it was a kind of a funny feeling, but I think in that moment, it just, the, the power that we do have, even as a minority on the board of seven is that, you know, we have a lot of people who elected us and who are appreciative of the work that we're doing and the kind of issues that we're trying to bring attention to. And, um, and they, they have to recognize that whether they want to or not. Now, your legacy, right? I know that's kind of a big thing, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, a, it's like, okay, legacy is like, that's, oh, so, <laughs> that's a big thing to kind of think about. But what would you want your legacy to be, right? Your journey up to education this far as a board member in your district, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to be saying about you? Like, in regards to the work you've done in the community and all those type of things. What what you want what do you want that legacy to be? I hope people will just think that I gave a voice to people who felt like they didn't have one. Um I also like you know, I, I'm not in a bubble. I, you know, one of the best things ever is when people who 
think that they don't like me, uh, you know, or think that I'm trying to like hurt, you know, the district or whatever, like they actually get on the phone with me. And then by the end of the conversation, I would say more times than not, they're like, oh, okay. You know, we still may not agree, but you know, they actually realize like, I'm not a monster, you know, I'm a mom and, um, someone who considers myself like an educational leader. And this has just been my entire career and that I actually have good ideas and things to say, and that I don't do anything without thinking about what's best for kids. There's no other reason for me to be here. And so a lot of times I'll get emails where, you know, people tell me like, you're the only one I've heard from, or even though we didn't agree on something, like I appreciate you responding to me where, and they'll say, you know, we're not going to agree or whatever, but you know, I appreciate you engaging in the conversation. Um, and as long as people look, I, you know, I get some, some crazy emails, but as long as people are like halfway respectful, you know, we, 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 we get some, some emails, some wild emails. (laughs) And sometimes I have to, for my protecting my own peace, um, I will maybe not engage, but I don't think anybody would fault me for that. But for a lot of times, you know, whether you're coming to me with support or not, you know, my thing is, this is what I believe in with everything that I know. Um, this is the decision I've come to. And that's my job. That's why you elect people. And, um, and this is, and I, and I will explain why I make the decision that I made or how I, why I feel the way that I feel, but because all roads for me lead back to what's best for kids, I feel okay doing that with literally anyone, um, defending, you know, what I'm doing. I think one thing that's really kind of been, I don't know, surprising is the word, but you know, it's something that, you know, makes me sit up a little straighter and like, you know, I'll start banging away at my, my keyboard is when people, you know, I, I realize that there's a benefit of the doubt that someone like me does not get that maybe another one of my colleagues does, you know, and I, and I hope people understand like, yeah, a lot, that happens a lot of times with, with people that look like me, right? Because this is the thing you elect people. You're not going to know the history of the conversations. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know all the different players and the data that you might like, you're not putting all that together. That's why you elected me to do that. And so you know, I find like with some folks, there's just no trust there, you know? And so I'll, I've just started to ask people like, or, you know, to tell people that just exactly what I'm thinking with that. You know, you're asking me these questions or you're questioning me on this because, um, I'm not getting the benefit of the doubt of I'm doing what is best for kids, or I'm doing what I know to do based on everything that I know as the person that is sitting in that seat. You know, I, I told one woman once, um, you know, she, she had to, she critiqued my performance at a board mm-hmm. meeting. That's not, she's definitely not the first one to do that. Um, but she had ran for office um, on the other side, the Republican in a Republican primary and she didn't win. Right. And I was just like, you know what, <laughs> you, I, I'm not going to let you tell me how to do a job that you yourself have never had. You know, and I don't mean that, don't get me wrong. I don't mean that in a way of parents second guessing me or saying, I don't agree with that. That, of course, that's what you do. And when I'm not a board member anymore, I'll be doing the same thing. But I'm, I'm getting at the idea of as a woman, as only woman on the board, you know, you are critiquing my performance and using that language, you know, and I think about my colleagues and the things that they do and they don't get those, emails. you know, you're not emailing mm-hmm. them. 
Um, this particular person was definitely not emailing them. And, uh, and just, you know, the layers of challenge that women and black women um, in particular have, even when you get to the table. So that's something I've said too, like, like in a lot of ways, getting to the table is like the easy part, you know, and, um, you know, that's just kind of the beginning. So you get there and that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you're a valued member of the team, <laughs> you know, um, and rules change. Rules change. If you think you're kind of playing a game and the rules change. So I, I just tell people that not to dissuade them, but just to let them know how necessary it is that we are running for these seats, that we are challenging these seats um, and that we are, are changing the narrative um, of how things are done because, you know, power begets power. I got that. I got you. And I see that's a pretty, yeah. I mean, in terms of legacy and everything, you conceptualize everything and put it together in this nice little box. And it's like, that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. that's very well explained. And I think that I may be going into one of the biggest questions that I've had for this entire interview. And um, it took me a while to come up with this, but okay. it's a little bit of my snooping. Uh, Twitter pages, things like that. Okay. I've come across a Twitter bio and I, I saw something interesting. And uh, I saw that you're a horror movie lord, lover. Oh my and, god. And I and I just had to, I just had to question you about that. I just <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't do this pod, you know, and ask you all these questions and just forget one of the biggest <laughs> ones. So, <laughs> I love it. So, okay, so remember what I told you about Stephen King, right? Yes, yeah, and I peeped that too. I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. And so you have to understand all of it, right? So, you know, we've got Stephen King books on the shelf, you know, when I'm a kid, but also um, my dad, my dad went to Blockbuster so much, so, you know, you're so young. It's it's amazing, but, you know. I remember Blockbuster, I remember Blockbuster. (laughs) So Blockbuster, I think there's one still in existence somewhere. This whole time about it. My dad used to go to Blockbuster so much. Like when he walked in, it was like, hey, Mr. Toomer, like, you know, they knew him. Right. Um, and he would get he had, you know, he'd watched so many horror movies. Like it didn't matter how B movie it was. I mean, shot in someone's garage. Like my dad probably watched it and he probably rented it. And we just watched a lot of scary movies. Um, one of my first movies in the theater was Chucky because my mom, she's such a, she was such a sweetheart. Like she just thought she saw a doll and, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but you know, we're all fine. We're fine now. We're fine. But, uh, she just, you know, we saw Chucky in the theater and it's just, I get scared, but I love it. I love like, I don't, I don't roller coasters. I'm too old for all that now, but I, and I will watch a really bad horror movie in a minute. Now there have been some that I'll start and I'm like, you know what? I'm tapping out. Like it's just too bad, <laughs> but um, it's just, I just, I love it. I love the genre. I will watch, you know, really any scary movie. Um, and I have, it's so funny. I have, so I have two sons and one of them when he was younger, I remember we tried to, we were going to watch Jaws and I, the intro with the music, like he just couldn't even get through that. He ran off. But now he's the one that I watch scary movies with um, while the other one just wants to come in and ask us questions about what it's about every five seconds. So, you know, I've kind of, you know, it's been passed on <laughs> to the next generation here with at least one of my, one of my sons. Um, 
but yeah, I just, I just love them. And I, I have a really good friend, um, two good friends. So the husband and wife and the wife, she can't watch the trailers. Like she, mm. just, she just can't, she cannot watch. Like she, not her thing. Um, but he loves horror movies. So it's like, he knows who to talk to about the movies um, <laughs> with me. And, uh, but I realize it's, you know, not for everyone. So yeah, just, it's just my, my jam. So, um, yeah. If you uh, name it, I probably watched it. So. I, I could not <laughs> let this pass as a reporter. You know, <laughs> seeing all those things in your Twitter bio, I was like, oh, okay, board <laughs> member district. I like, okay, we get it, we get it, we get it, we got you, we got you. Sitting, Davis for Cobb, all those things. I was like, <laughs> I cannot let this one pass. But <laughs> what um, I will say. I guess this will be more specific about that last question. I get, and that would be this question would probably be the last question of the entire interview. But okay. just which, what, if you had to lay out a top five, what would that be in terms of movies? In terms of these oh. horror movies? Oh my goodness! Um, so I have to say, I'm I love the, a good slasher film, right? Mm. So like, I mean, any of the the classic stuff, like I. To say Michael Myers is probably like like that character and all those movies. There's a new one coming out, Halloween mm-hmm. time. Because uh, you know they're <laughs> never ending. So I love all of those movies, and then um, I really do like to the um, the kind of the. So this is the new stuff about. So I'm not naming movie titles so much as I am like types of movies, but the new stuff around um, like technology. And so there's um, some movies called uh unfriend me and things like that and it's just like to see the the genre kind of move along with the times right so you're talking about like you know people's facebook accounts and like you unfriend someone and so now you know they're coming after you like that kind of thing i think is really funny um there's some netflix movies um so they just did a fear street uh from rl stein you know so going back to those books that kids read like in fifth grade so they just did a trilogy on those movies but again a lot of the slasher um kind of you know type of stuff in it and then zombies like love it love it love it um Oh gosh, let me think about what my favorite kind of zombie stuff is. I mean, I watch Walking Dead and uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, I've stuck with it. I mean, it's been years now, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, just any zombie stuff. I love it. And uh, yeah, zombies in the water, zombies in space, wherever. I'll watch it. <laughs> so, and I do, and I watch the Stephen, Stephen King movies. So I've seen all of them, right? So you've got Misery, you've got Carrie. Um, Christine, Kuja, watch Kuja if you have it. Um, so I'm kind of all over the place with that. But yeah, I think, um, you know, it's a good like starter pack of, of movies. So a little bit of a mix of old and certainly like new, new stuff. But yeah, you can't go wrong. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Well, I want to say thank you so much for doing this interview, the pod, everything. Thank I just you. thank you so, so much. Um, I also want to say, I guess, for our audience, you know, we're wrapping it up here. But um, do you have any final words for anybody to hear to say? Like, what, do you, what would you say? Uh, so remember I told you I, you know, I talk to kids, you know, not just five-year-olds, but kids. Whenever I do get a chance to talk to, to students, you know, I talk to them, like, up here at this, mm-hmm. you know, high level. Um, and so I always tell kids, and I'm going to tell the adults, too, or anyone listening to this podcast, like, you know, 
get involved. So if you're not going to run for office, be someone that's helping someone else get elected. Um, and I just think the, the point is that just showing up to vote, which again is how I was right before um, I was elected, you know, it just, it's not enough. It's not enough. And helping someone to win can look a lot of different ways you know, knocking on doors, um, giving them money, because every single race, no matter how local it is, costs some kind of money. And, you know, just giving a little bit here and there can really can really help. And so just finding ways to get involved, because, again, even if you don't think you do politics, politics does you. So <laughs> please get involved. Politics does you. That's I, that's a quote. That is a quote. Uh, I don't know that I'm the one came up with it, but uh, <laughs> I, I hear it a lot, you know, and it's just kind of like, you may not think you're political or whatever. I don't even know if that means different things to different people, but everything that affects you is being decided by this politics that you say you're not involved in. So, you know, my thing is there's so much power in information. There's so much power in engagement. Um, there's so much power in just understanding how these systems work, right? And if there's something in the system that you don't like, then there's power in you trying to change it. Okay. Well, I thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And, yes. and, and again, thank you so much for doing this. Again, yeah, it was very great. I think it was pretty good. I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. Also, I am I'm so proud of you. I'm getting my mama hat on here, but Thank you for this was a pleasure. So anytime and thank you for your work with at Atlanta and um, all what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. And I hope that you have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Thank you for listening to the Education in Atlanta podcast. Please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts at. See you next week.